Welcome to Words That Move Me, the podcast where movers and shakers like you get the information and inspiration you need to navigate your creative career with clarity and confidence. I am your host, Dana Wilson, and I move people. I am all about the tools and techniques that empower tomorrow's leaders to make the work of their dreams and live a full life while doing it. So whether you're new to the game or transitioning to your next echelon of greatness, you're in the right place. Hello, hello, my friends. Welcome to Words That Move Me. I am Dana. I am stoked that you are here, and I am genuinely honored to introduce you to this week's guest, who you probably do not know because he isn't a working dancer or choreographer. Gary Takeon is a stuntman, a yoga instructor, a movement analyst to the stars. Yes, we are going to talk a lot about that. And he is also an inventor. In fact, he is the inventor of one of my favorite products ever of all time, period, the end, totally, like <laughs> in life. Um, I'm not going to say too much about it right now, but I will tell you that Gary was kind enough to offer a very special discount to Words That Move Me listeners, so you will 100% want to stay tuned for that discount code um, and all of the awesome, incredible things he has to say. But first, let's do wins. Today, I am celebrating. It's a pretty big win. You know, sometimes I celebrate like a great meal or discovering my taste in interior decorating. Like, those are wins, but uh, today I'm celebrating a huge win. Today I'm celebrating a nomination for a World Choreography Award. What the heck? How freaking cool is that? Christopher Scott and his associates, Ebony Williams, Emilio Dosal, Eddie Torres Jr., and yours truly, are nominated for Best Choreography in a Motion Picture for In the Heights. And we are in some truly great company. I am tickled pink. <laughs> Mandy Moore and Jillian Myers with their associate choreographer Jeffrey Mortensen are nominated for Zoe's Extraordinary Christmas. Ashley Wallen is nominated for Cinderella. Jamal Sims, fellow podcast guest, and his associate Kai Martinez are nominated for Encanto. And Justin Peck is nominated for West Side Story. I am so very, very proud to be nominated for our work and so very excited to be able to point you to a really fabulous podcast episode. Um, The In the Heights choreography team joined me here on the podcast. That was in episode 78, and I will link to it in the show notes. But if you want like a deeper dive into our process and our experience working on the movie, if you want to kind of peek behind the curtain a little bit, that episode is so great. Uh, So please do check that out and join me in celebrating all of the nominees for World Choreography Awards this year. So very cool. All right, that's me. That's what's going well in my world. Now you go. Hit me. right, my friend. Congratulations. I am proud of you. Keep crushing. Keep winning. Now let's get into it. Gary Takeon is such a fascinating guy, and I cannot wait for you to hear what he has to say. 
we talk a lot. Uh, we talk about his work with Martin Scorsese, no big deal. We talk about experiencing alignment that can almost literally de-age you. <laughs> we talk about his invention, the body tuning cushion, that I have now had one. I, I've had my cushion for years now, multiple years, and I literally use it every single day. I use it every single day. I bought one for my mom when she was experiencing back and hip leg pain. I uh, got one for Jillian Myers for her long days on Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. And I would buy one for every single one of you, but I am not that kind of mega cash daddy yet. <laughs> uh, so I'm super grateful that Gary is offering all of you, Words That Move Me listeners, an awesome discount on the body tuning cushion. You can take my word on it right now that it is literally the greatest thing I've ever purchased and you can go right now and grab one or you can listen to the episode and take it from Robert De Niro. So you can just, you know, totally up to you. Uh, visit thebodytuningcushion.com and use WTMM as a discount code at checkout. Thank you for doing that, and you're welcome in advance because it is incredible, but I want you to hear all about why it is incredible. So get into this conversation with the one and only Gary Takeon. Gary Takeon, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. you <laughs> I'm, I'm doing well, and I'm, I'm, I'm already sweating, number one, because it's a very hot day in Los Angeles, but number two... I am excited to talk to you because I love to geek out about the human bodies, <laughs> the human body, its many wonders, and people who know how to care for them, um, people who know how to communicate, uh, how to help improve them, and how to get a desired result out of a human body. I think you're a specialist in this department, um, and you're also a multi-hyphenate. I really love having... Uh, having multi-types on the podcast. Sometimes I call them slashers. Um, you are a stuntman slash movement coach slash movement analyst slash yoga instructor slash designer slash slash. What am I missing? What what other hats do you wear? I'm a husband, father. There that's we go. Sort of, that's sort of central to the whole program. Yeah, I think you covered it pretty well right. there. I'm an inventor. Yes, you are. Do you have a patent on the on the body oh, tuning yeah. cushion? Yeah. Killer. Okay, we're going to get there. Um, so it's tradition on the podcast. I know I kind of rattled off the bullets, the, the slashes, um, but it is tradition on the podcast that my guests introduce themselves, mm. themselves, themselves, themselves. Uh, so if there's anything else you would like us to know about you, please take the floor. How do you like to introduce yourself? Well, I, I think um, I think we just covered it right there. I mean, it, it depends who you're you're speaking with. I I, uh, I typically don't go right into being a stunt performer. Um, <laughs> you don't lead with that. <laughs> don't I don't lead with that really. Um, most of the social outings have to do with um, children, you know, <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. for the past twenty years at least, and. Um, but um, I'm a yoga instructor, been an athlete my whole life. I uh, 
was always interested in yoga the first time I ever saw somebody doing a headstand. And way before there were, there was yoga clothing <laughs> and even yoga mats. You know, I, I used to, I used to do as many movements as I could just by myself, just through my own investigations and, uh, as a child. Uh-huh. So I actually was a ballet dancer for a while. And when I left ballet school after a bad ankle injury, I went right into the yoga studio. There you go. Because that was, that was a way to help me recover, and I felt so at home there. Mm. So I went ahead and stuck with it and got a certification and uh, never really had an ambition to be a teacher, but the woman I studied with, her name was Tao Portion Lynch. She just died two years ago at 104 years old and was still teaching up until the time she died. Well, what a testament. Yeah, she, she, she was very enthusiastic about my uh, practice and just said, you've got to teach. So I said, okay, twist my arm. And so before mm-hmm. I knew it, she, uh, she conducted this, uh, this series of sessions and I got, I got certified. So that was, that was a wonderful thing to yeah. accomplish, you know, without really um, being specifically interested in, in and becoming a yoga instructor, but mm-hmm. it was just the beginning of a whole different um, perspective from the interior, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. meaning that every yoga movement that there is is already in us. So it's just a matter of uh, being interested enough to discover it. Yeah. And that's, that's an interior process. You know, it's not about wrapping your foot around your neck as much as finding a way that's, that you can coordinate your mind and your body that's, that's suitable enough that it, it can be gentle and, mm-hmm. um, and comfortable always and um, inspiring. It's, it's one of those self-informing practices that exist it sort of comes <laughs> yes. with the package when you're conceived. <laughs> and um, so I just feel blessed that I was able to stumble upon it early in my life. And uh, that, that really enhanced my natural athleticism. I was, in, I was naturally uh, a really um, excited athlete as a kid. The stunt work then followed, and then the movement analyzing followed, and that the creation of the body tuning cushion followed because of uh, a wish that arose to share with people my joy in movement, basically. Mm-hmm. What can we do that allows people to not feel criticized about their limitations, but be inspired mm-hmm. to explore options of uh, movements and, and just possibilities in general about you know, leaning toward, um, leaning toward joy. What a wonderful introduction, Gary. I, I am inspired by it and by the placement that you have at this um, impasse between mind and body. And I really am so fascinated by that place because there are moments for me where joy and creativity are unlocked by one or the other that allows me access to the other. For example, mm-hmm. I have I have experienced blocks 
creative blocks, emotional blocks that get untangled or shaken loose by me jumping into action, by me actually moving myself, rattling myself, and then the 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 mind follows, right? The mind follows me into motion or into action, and sometimes it's vice versa. Sometimes I have a physical block that is solved or aided along by a thought, a change of perspective, something like that. So I really love this this intersection of mind and body. It sounds like you've become such a great traffic cop of that intersection. Like you understand the flow of traffic between those two. So um, so I think maybe we'll start with the way I became aware of you was after I watched the film The Irishman, um, mm. which took about a week uh, because it's long. <laughs> and uh, actually I did watch it all in one night, but it was, it was, it was a doozy. I was very invested, not particularly because of the story, although I do love organizing, I love a union, but I remember being taken at the range of life that this movie covered and my knowledge that these actors, Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, Joe Pesci, are in their 70s, 70s, 60s, all, all three of them. No, they were, when we shot it, they were all in their mid to late 70s, yeah. <sighs> And they're portraying 30-year-olds at some, at some points of the film. Right. So I, I was wrapped by that alone. And their physicality was, was striking, so believable. And because of my experience on set, I know <laughs> the kind of repetition that's required, the kind of endurance of a shoot day. This isn't just a 70-something looking 30 for one take. They had to do that take probably 14, 15. I don't know what kind of director Scorsese is, but like multiple takes is a real thing. Long days are a real thing. For a young person, that is challenging. I was so impressed at what these actors were capable of. And I, by halfway through, I was like, someone helped. There must have been a movement coach. There must have been someone helping, helping on the movement front. Uh, so I watched the credits all the way through and I found you um, under movement analyst. Will you talk a little bit about how you came to be on that project and how you earned that title and what it means to you? That's a lot. That's a tall order. Sorry. <laughs> well, having been um, familiar with the atmosphere of a movie set for a long time uh, and having studied acting and, um, and as a stunt performer, there's a uh, a whole different level of regard that you have for these lead actors. You know, it's not just a, a celebrity uh, uh, thing. It's um, it's different. Mm -hmm. So uh, when they were trying to figure out what they were going to do about this narrative, where the characters have to de-age up to fifty years. Scorsese was being driven crazy because what do you know? Do we hire actors? Do we have cut like... off their head and, <laughs> and and you know put on put on a younger face? I mean, digitize yeah, all, all these the various budget things, so. with CG. <laughs> yeah, so I got a phone call anyway from uh, the executive producer who I I happen to know, and he said, hey, "I'm I'm we're starting this big project. I I knew nothing about it," mm -hmm. and. Um, you know, this direct director is losing his mind because of this 
situation that they're in and um and these actors you know they're all they're old guys mm-hmm. they're uh they're in their 70s and uh they got to make them look young and do you think you can help them and i said on the phone if they let me in you know because <laughs> i've i've had a lot of experience you know helping people who are um have have physical limitations or when they get older you know so um he said okay good i said well who are they who, who you know who, who are, are we they? talking here yeah yeah he said well it's um yeah it's robert de niro and al pacino <laughs> shit <laughs> i said okay <laughs> right so what do you the very, <laughs> so the very next day they set up the very next day i had to go to uh this is a good story. I had to go to uh, Astoria Studios and meet De Niro. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I went to the production office. They were in pre-production. I went to the production office. They said, yeah, uh, room 27D down the hall and to the left. So I went down there, an old dusty room in this old movie studio. Mm-hmm. Nothing was in the room, just an old desk. And uh, so I walked in there, closed the door, and... Um, at exactly 1.30, he opened the door, and he took one look at me from the door, and he went, and I said, Awakenings, Penny's movie. <gasps> you knew each I took other. You down, I took you down when you were trying to leave the hospital, and I worked on you on the afternoons in your, in, during lunch. Incredible. He looked at me, and he goes, I walked over to him and he gave me that hug with that smile. Very, very affectionate and warm and just, you know. And then he said... uh, That was such a good De Niro impression, by the way. I'm mad that people can't see your face. That was perfect. Well, well, he's just... He's he's a sweetheart. So so he immediately said to me, so, so, how, how, so, you know. Uh-huh. This is this is this is how he, he is a lot of the time, you know. So Okay. He's in I, disbelief. Um, he's in he's in this moment of No, like, he's attempting to articulate uh, what, you see. know how, how are we going to do this and uh-huh. what are you going to do to me and all that. So anyway, uh-huh. I just uh-huh. I stopped him and I said your character has to de-age up to 50 years. They're going to CGI your face and I'm going to try and help you with your spine. And he goes, oh, <laughs> you know, Old dog, you know, no new tricks, you know. So I said, well, I, I, I don't have any tricks, but I do have this. And so I brought my cushion that I had invented with me in a carpet bag. I pulled it out, and there it is. I have I one. It on, I, laid it on, I laid it on the ground, and I, I knew that this was, my, this, was my, this was my real audition right here. Uh-huh. So I got on the ground. I demonstrated the cushion. I gave myself a little tutorial in as simple terms as possible so he could see what the effect was. And then I got up and I stood and I said, and as soon as you stand up, you recreate the condition that you experienced when you were horizontal on the ground, when you're vertical. Mm-hmm. And you can see right away that without slouching, you know, we could probably, sh- you know, shave a couple of years off of your uh, program. Absolutely. And he, and he looks at me, he looks at the cushion, he looks at me, he says, oh, let me try that. And so I said, no, no, it's dirty here. He said, no, no. So anyway. <laughs> I was uh, I was promoting it as a five minute activity uh-huh. in his trailer, you know, uh-huh. that he could just keep the cushion there and do five that. minutes a day. That's the that's the five regimen. minutes five minutes in the morning, you know, and uh, 
So he gets on the cushion, and I take him through the entire thing. He's on the cushion for 20 minutes. Yes, I and have by, been. <laughs> and by the time I get him up and I pull him up off the ground, slowly, you know, and I keep telling him, drop your head back, drop your head back, drop your And he couldn't do it. He could keep it. Drop your head back. Mm. Finally, he did it. And I lifted him up, and I got him to his feet. And I said, now, go ahead and recreate the condition that you experienced when you were horizontal, now that you're vertical. So he immediately stood up, took his arms out to the side, looked up at the ceiling, brought his hands all the way up, touched them, and then brought his arms all the way back down again. And I said, now don't fucking fidget. Ah. Don't, don't fidget. And, and he told me later that that was, that was sort of key to the whole thing. Uh -huh. Because all of a sudden he was able to just experience himself in this completely awkward, um, brand new condition. He said, how do I look? I said, uh, different. <laughs> Great answer. He, he stuck his hand out and said, I guess I'll see you on set. You know, and that, wow. and that was it. That was my What audition. a great story. That's so wonderful. Um, I, I'll be honest, I have heard that story before because after I, I learned of you, I did a, a good Google search. I found that you have created the body tuning cushion, which is what we're talking about right now. And I learned that you were on a podcast talking about it. So I listened to this podcast, you tell this story and I am thinking, holy freaking smokes. What, what a guy, what a talented person who has intuition and follow through because it's one thing to understand the body and understand yoga and understand gravity and its effect on the body. But it's another thing to hit the drawing board, design a thing, go through how many iterations I can only imagine and actually put something into production. Um, so I'm, I, as soon as I learned of the body tuning cushion, wow, it's hard for me to say because I call it the penguin. As soon as I learned about this, this cushion, I bought one and I, laid down on it. I did the thing with my arms. I stayed there at least five minutes a day, but I, I do, I, I work out almost every single day and I spend part of my cool down on it. After I've done all my stretches, I lay right there and oof, I can easily exceed five minutes. It's so relaxing. Um, but I think cushion aside, your ability to discuss physicality with people who aren't used to discussing physicality in a comfortable, normal, uh, kind of disarming type of way. Um, it's a special thing. And I know, especially for actors, physicality and movement can be, mm, everything you, you alluded to it before it is, it's, it's a huge part of their practice, but it's not welcome. Not, a, not every actor is as willing to talk body and work on body. I think, mm one of the reasons I enjoy movement coaching, uh, I almost said more than, but differently than choreography is I, I think a lot of people have a stigma that choreographers are mean and demanding and that dance is hard and you're gonna feel terrible when you try it and, 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 and. Um, but every time I've approached dance with an actor whose desires are to have a different relationship with their body, not necessarily to be able to dance or hit the eight counts or do the big finale number. If the goal is to understand your body, then there's a willingness that I, I see way less often when people approach it, like let's learn 
dance steps. So when I, when I kind of explain to people the difference between a choreographer and a movement coach, I usually start there. A movement coach's work doesn't have much to do with eight counts or choreography that needs to be repeated. Um, but I guess I'm kind of curious if what you encountered on set for that project and many others, this isn't your only, obviously not the only film that you've worked on, but I'm wondering if you ever felt that the work you do got to a place of it being choreographed and how do you keep it from being about the position and more about like a fluid being in your body? Cause it isn't, it isn't a rigid thing that you're talking. This isn't a posture. It's a mindfulness and a presence. And yes, I mean, the cushion helps you understand an alignment, but now I've been talking for seven minutes and asked six questions. I don't know where you're going to start, but <laughs> I mean, I'm just wondering what is the difference between what you do and what a choreographer does? Well, in this instance, speaking about this particular picture, um, my job really was uh, not to change them as much as enhance their natural movement with um, some youthful enthusiasm. <laughs> so to inspire them to have a, uh, an experience that is more um, youthful, viscerally, I would put them on the cushion first thing in the morning and stretch them out so that they all of a sudden had this new uh, musculoskeletal experience that they could at least instinctively refer to as an option during this, the rest of the shooting day. So this is, you know, 6 a.m. for the mm -hmm. most part. And then I would be on set on the other side of the camera and, and be able to remind them with various hand signals and um, mm. among other things. And, and they were so receptive and they so enjoyed this uplifted mm -hmm. sensation they had of themselves as opposed to this slouch condition that they spend their lives in, mm -hmm. that they were delighted to um, attend to all of the suggestions. And I would... I would put the suggestions everywhere. You know, I would mm -hmm. put myself in their eyeline so that, you know, all I would have to do is turn around and touch a certain point on my back that we all identified as a central place for the attention to go to to prevent um, themselves from slouching and going back into whatever their 70-year-old mode was right. when their character is actually supposed to appear as a 38-year-old or a 42-year-old or a 48-year-old or even a 50 five-year-old is still right. different than a 77-year-old. So um, I don't know which of the six questions I'm <laughs> answering, but, but I'm responding to um, the difference between what I did and what a choreogra choreographer does is uh, enormous. In a way, they're not really related at all because they're not moving the way I want them to move. Mm -hmm. They're moving the way... Mr. Scorsese needs for them to move That's to it. make th this particular the context of the narrative believable. That's it. So, so that's that's an invitation for me to actually remove myself. All totally. I have to do is is see it from Marty's eyes and uh, know what know what the range of acceptability is. Mm -hmm. My responsibility was the frame and how it's going to look on the frame. And if they're dragging slowly or if they're moving quickly, that's, that's, that's my responsibility. So it was tricky, you know, because you have to be very spare in your 
reflections right. that you pass on, especially to these people. Yes. And um, it it was just, I, I, you know, you asked me how it was. It was It was incredible. For six months, they never rejected a single reflection that I offered. None of them. Mm-hmm. All they did was welcome them. They applied them as best they could. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the beginning, they'd come back and say, how was that? <laughs> they'd say, home run, you know. Yeah. It was, uh, it was just uh, an incredible experience and a wonderful way to sort of end a, uh, a stunt career, in a way, a movement Career. It sounds like a very gentle way to go about doing well, that. Well, actually. it was, it was, it was, you know, it was a complete blessing. At one point, I asked Marty, uh, what, "Why didn't you get an orthopedist to do this? What am I ah, doing working question. with you guys in this question. in this capacity?" And he was he a, an unbelievable sweetheart. He said, "He said, why you? Well, you know, it's 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 it's." Kismet, jazz hands up at this guy. I'm trying to explain. <laughs> that's that's how I that's how I took it. Ah. And uh, and it was, you know, their forces are at work. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I'm not even formally trained in these things. I'm, well, hmm. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm your uh, whole life is training in in some well, ways. That's that's sort of it, you know. Yeah. And tricking tricking the camera is also, you know, up my alley. You know, stunt work is not uh, daredevil work. It's um, it's just very precise athletic work, oh. in a in a very uh, specific space. Wow. So you have to be able to do those things. And that's, I mean, that's an important thing to convey because yes. a lot of people think that, oh, you're a stuntman, you're a daredevil, you know, you do rough and tumble. No, you you make friends with the set designer and you make sure that, <laughs> you know, there's an inch thick foam coating going down the stairs that you're going to roll backwards down, you mm-hmm. know. And uh, so. In, until you said that just now, I never fully understood how important perspective is to a stuntman and how understanding you must be of three-dimensional space and your space relative to the camera um, and how that ha- helps with the work that you're doing now because height is an illusion, right? We can play with scale, move them forward or backward in the frame. Like you can, your understanding from that part of your life must have helped you a lot in this oh, regard. Absolutely. You know, the camera, the camera doesn't register. Mm-hmm. depth perception. It has no depth perception. So, you know, that's uh, one thing, one element about it. But, mm-hmm. uh, and you just have to know where the frame is and how you have to put a, a, a very specific uh, quality of movement right there. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a question about, and I love, uh, here's my question. I'm working on using less words to say more. And that speaks directly to something you just mentioned about using cues, physical cues. You didn't have to say words. You had to be seen by your actor. You had to be in their eyeline and do a gesture that reminded them, some nonverbal cue that reminded them of the tool that you gave them or the training that you gave them or the idea that you had already planted. Were there any other things that you felt in addition to these visual, physical cues, any other things that helped give you, um, helped you get your work done on the day? Because those are, it's, it's, it's tough and you're not a traditional person on set. On every set, there's a, you know, there's a gaffer, there's a first AD. People know to look to those people, but there, I don't know if there's ever been a quote, 
movement analyst. So how did you insert yourself into the conversation? Um, how or how else did you? Well, it's a good question. First of all, each each actor is really different. Requires uh, being approached differently. And um, the the other thing that was curious about the job itself is that nobody ever told me anything about what to do or how to do it. <laughs> right. Um, not not Marty, not Bob, not Al, not Joe. They just assumed that I was there to help them, whatever that meant. Mm-hmm. And so once they got on the cushion and enjoyed that wake up every morning, they, they, they were as little children. You know, they said, hey, can we do some more of that? You know, right, and, right, uh, right. And so it, in a way, it was a wonderful, it was a wonderful opening so that if I ever did approach them with a suggestion, and the suggestions, you know, there, there, was no, there was no specific vocabulary. I had to wait to see the rehearsal and what they were going to do in rehearsal. And the, simple, the simplest example of that is um, the very first day that Al Pacino came on set. We had already been shooting for a month. Mm. And the very first shot was, um, was him getting out of a car and Bob getting out of the driver's side and walking into a little Cape Cod house, a little house. Oh, yeah, I know the part. Cape Cod-style house. <laughs> and so Al is a character, is supposed to be 45 years old, and he's actually 79. And when he gets out of the car, he sort of, you know, the way Al is, he sort of goes, you know, slowly to the door, grabs the handrail and goes up the steps. And as soon as they, and out, and, and Bob follows him, and as soon as they get inside and they close the door, that's a cut. So during the rehearsal, uh, they do that. And I stand right next to Marty. I have a monitor and he's in a tent right there. I'm, I'm within earshot of him. And uh, I look at it and I just know I got to fix that. Or somebody's got to fix that. <laughs> because and Al is just go, going too slow, you know, and um, and looking down. So as soon as they cut on the rehearsal, Marty says, "Gary, where's Gary?" So I stick my head right into his into his tent, and he looks at me and he says, "I mean, with Al." Uh, uh, and I said, uh, "I got it." So at the same time, they're walking out back to one, back to where they begin. And I wait till he gets back to the car and I walk up to him and I say, Mr. Pacino, my name is Gary. I'm a movement analyst for the film. And Marty is hoping that we can fill up the frame a little bit more. So the simple suggestion is that as you get out of the car, look up at the number above the front door. And when you approach it, don't use the railing when you go upstairs. So he looks at the railing, he looks over at Marty's tent, he looks back up at the number and he says, oh, that's good, that's good, that's good. <laughs> also a good Al, very well done. And so, uh, and then, you know, on action, he did it. They got it in one take. So that was a home Okay, run. well, that's huge. Like, you're, what you're eliminating is be in the right place, be informed. And in the right place didn't necessarily mean inside Video Village. You were right outside, you were listening, you had your finger on the pulse of the scene and what was going on. When you were needed, you were there quickly and you gave a directive to the talent that was clear and digestible and 
human. It was not any foreign language. It was not anything he had to have already exactly. been exactly. cued into before. You're using yeah. language it's that Im- he it's understands. Imper- it's imperative. It's imperative that you can you can share your reflections with people without criticizing them. And it's exactly the same thing with the cushion. You know, body tuning is a practice that mm-hmm. people are welcome to undertake. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's never about um, criticizing their posture. Mm-hmm. And it's not even really about improving their posture. Mm-hmm. It's about alerting them to their capacity mm-hmm. to recreate their physical stature on command, to be their own authority. Mm-hmm. And if they learn to do that with great frequency... They will appear to have very good posture, but mm-hmm. you can't go for the posture juice. Right. You know, you have to go for the experience of being poised enough to know the difference between right. where you come from, where you've settled your whole life, and how you can actually integrate with this this constant downward pulling force in a way right. that allows you to experience being uplifted. So, yeah. Ooh, you know, I, there's... It's a perspective, you know, it's, and it's not for everybody. A lot of people want to be told what to do and how to do it, but that's not how this particular study works. Right. You know, it's, right. It's, it's already in you, just like yoga movements. Yeah. You just have to locate it. And once you locate it, you know, for example, you know, if, if this is how we are when we're typing and on our phones and eating and drinking and driving, and then all of a sudden I have this experience of my spine lengthening in my abdomen sort of not being compressed any longer. Well, who would go back to this? Oh my gosh, it feels amazing. I'm do it like once they have once they have this other visceral sensation experience of being uplifted and poised and and by the way, no muscular tension across your upper body at the back because when okay. you're like this, all of this musculature is busy holding you back with this yes. muscular resistance from falling forward even further forward. So Yes. It's a, it's a study. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a practice that, um, <laughs> this conversation alone, just like having my eyes on you and talking about the cushion is, is I've been more reminded during this 30 minutes of that, uh, lean, um, and that kind of surrendering to gravity that I do so often, a lot of computer time, a lot of car. I live in Los Angeles. Um, so maybe it, it might be fun at this point in the conversation to invite listeners to start this practice, to start this training now, even without a cushion. I know you have a way, you call it thumb point, is that correct? Yes. To, yeah. to identify the part of your body. Are you able to talk us through how we can... Sure. Uh, how sure. We can this, 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 by the way, was, was key to, to this, the same work with... Um, with the, the actors on The Irishman, you know, and with other actors. You know, I worked with Alec Baldwin for over a 12-year period as his stunt double. And um, so there were always these opportunities to try and insert a, a different way of being physically that was, uh, in, in general, more um, appropriate mm-hmm. and, and also soothing to the body. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, so, I love um, it up here. This feels great. I don't want to leave. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Well, there's no there's no visuals here. But if if a person were to stand up and reach their arm behind their back mm-hmm. and had a sense that the forearm was parallel with the ground, so elbow bent, elbow bent, 
And with the sense that the forearm is parallel to the ground, mm -hmm. and one reaches one's thumb at that point all the way up onto the spine. And another way to measure that is to put the opposite hand in the front of the torso in the same capacity. Mm -hmm. And you can look down and see if your forearm is parallel with the ground and reach your thumb all the way up. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't take anything to note that the thumb in the front is absolutely at the bottom of the sternum. It's not halfway up the sternum. It's not near the clavicles. It's at the bottom of the sternum when the forearm is parallel with the ground. Mm -hmm. And the thumb at the back is, lands right smack in the middle of the spine, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth thoracic vertebra, thereabouts, as long as the forearm is parallel with the ground. So forgetting about the front hand, but feeling where that thumb, tip of your thumb lands on the spine is what we call the thumb point. And if you're standing or sitting and you just lean back very slightly on that thumb point, the very first thing that takes place is your abdomen lengthens. Mm -hmm. And as soon as your abdomen lengthens, you can see here in profile, as soon as the abdomen lengthens, the shoulders go back, just a touch. Now, you don't move the shoulders back. It's just that your abdomen has lengthened. And so your spine accepts the weight of the upper torso moving backwards very subtly. And with that carries the weight of the arms and the weight of the head. So if you're standing, the contact with the ground shifts a little bit. So now the weight of the entire body is more or less in the vicinity of the heels, not on the heels, mm -hmm. but certainly shifted into the vicinity of the heels. Mm -hmm. And then if you drop the arm at the back and don't fidget, you can immediately feel how awkward this is and unfamiliar because <laughs> we're never different. there. Whereas in fact, you have just completely recreated your fully realized physical stature the way the maker intended. Yeah. Because, you know, you didn't quite calculate that gravity was going to be, you know, <laughs> causing people to be compressed, particularly in the front of their bodies. Mm -hmm. for their entire lives on, while mm -hmm. they're on the surface of the planet. Mm -hmm. So, and furthermore, there's no place where this is taught, you know, right. not in ballet class, not in uh, schools for proper etiquette. It's usually a forced position right. that you have to get into. It's yeah. not a coordination, again, of the mind and the body that includes calculating the difficulties and accepting the fact that we have a visceral uh, habit structure that needs and is willing to and actually wishing to be modified. Oh. So in that regard, the body tuning cushion is just a reminder. It's, it's a resting companion that when you get on it, all these muscles and bones of the upper body are reminded that they actually can experience a different option mm -hmm. of a visceral alignment when they're vertical. So that's, that's huge. That's, what, that's, that's, that's where the daily practice comes in because I, it, it doesn't take, it doesn't take long. Right. It, especially if you have a cushion, you know it, if you use yeah. it every day, you stumble upon this condition of being lengthened and poised more and more frequently as you go. You know, you're at online at the grocery store, you know, you're, uh, you're at the, um, at the bank getting money out of the, uh, it, ACM, ATM. ATM, yeah, there it and is. And all of a sudden you realize, well, I don't have to actually be like that. I, my eyes see it just as well from up here. 
Right. And it's just, yes. it's just more comfortable. And, and, and the other salient fact is that every breath that you take that you're in this poised condition is cumulative. You get stronger at it with every mm. breath that you take while you're in that condition. Mm-hmm. And then the rest is just about self-forgiveness, you know. You have to forgive yourself when you're not there or catch yourself mm-hmm. somewhere else. And mm-hmm. don't snap into a position of poise and length. Go ahead and take your time and recreate it so that that point of departure from this, this typical compressed slouched condition we're in becomes very important and becomes your friend in a way because that's the point of departure of this new uh, physical condition that you're hoping will take over your life. Oh, yes. And as I'm, as I'm experiencing that, as you kind of guided that finding of the thumb point, a, a few things came up for me. The first was, number one, that, that this is an option is so wonderful. I love that this is an option. Yeah. Number two, it is, uh, I, I, I tried this in front of a mirror um, a few days ago after we'd spoken on the phone. And I just wanted to see what it looked like. And I closed my eyes to find the thumb point, um, or I used them to make sure I had horizontal forearms. And then I closed my eyes to feel the lean back moment. And it felt like I was leaning four or five inches back. It felt like I would fall backwards. But when Mm -hmm. I opened my eyes, I was upright, which tells me how naturally inclined forward I I am, that, that that's become my normal forward feels neutral and back feels almost felt almost like a backbend. But I the thing that I notice now as you're talking through, how much more naturally breath happens and fully breath happens in that place. Um, and that, that's something I, it took a vocal cord injury for me to find out how uh, I don't want to criticize myself. I love the attention you bring up about criticism, by the way. It's not the, it's not the, um, it's not the portal to progress, uh, at least not for the body, because the body is very, very delicate. But I, I told myself for a long time, I must be breathing wrong because I, you know, had this tight neck and shoulder. I, bre- I, I would breathe in my shoulders. I would hold tension in my throat. When I spoke to people, my weight was in my toes and my chin was forward because I think that's how you show enthusiasm. Um, mm. Anyways, it took it took a really great vocal coach to help me remember that breathing doesn't happen in your neck or shoulders, and enthusiasm doesn't happen in your chin being forward. You can have that, and so that's you. You can have that, and a freeing alignment. Um, so that was just now as you were guiding us through thumb point. I remembered that lesson that I had forgotten or maybe didn't learn as fully until this moment but i i really enjoy how this feels and i'm excited to be practicing it all of the time (laughs) although i'm 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 pleased and happy for you i mean the, the simple fact is that when you're in a condition that um we can refer to as poised the the emanation of the body is much freer you know and and you can walk into a room and light it up and people don't even realize what the influence is that has come in. But when the body isn't encumbered with this physical stress, mm-hmm. all of a sudden it's, it's just, it's just freer. And it's not for everybody because you know, there, 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 there aren't that many 
people whose central aim in life is to evolve, they're way too busy being who it is they think they are. And so this is, this is a different um, perspective, really. You know, and it's, it's not self-improvement either. It's really a way of being that um, some homo sapiens experience that they, they're trying to share, you know. So that's, that's really where it's at. It's an interior activity again, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, Gary, I am thrilled to, to be in the loop um, and in conversation with you. I've learned a lot already, and I'm inspired to keep the idea of – you, you mentioned the cushion is a tool – but the work is training. The work is a practice. And I must admit, I think I have uh, fallen into the idea that the cushion is the answer, like the cushion is the key, but it isn't. It's the reminder. It's an offering in a laying down format of what is possible in an upright format. So um, I'm glad to be reminded of that today. I hope that everybody listening um, <laughs> embraces their new awareness of what is available no. when you stop this this forward fold, holy smokes, it's, it is. Holy smokes. Holy oh, smokes. yikes. It's, such, it's a big, it's a big difference. And, and it, it, it will change your life. <laughs> yeah. If you're able to um, a, allow the body to modify itself. The other thing is the body knows where it needs to be. Yeah. It's just unfamiliar with it. So <sighs> it doesn't, it doesn't gravitate toward <laughs> it. Punny. So, so as the cushion reminds you every morning, oh, yeah, uh, that's good. And then begin, and you see how long before the habits take over. And then it's actually measurable. You say, wow, I made it through the whole morning and mm-hmm. felt myself uh, intentionally uplifted as I floated from one room to the next. Mm-hmm. Because it changes everything in terms of your movement style as well. It, I mean, this whole thing with, with De Niro was to... Make sure that every single step was intentional. Mm. Every single step. And that if you could get into the rhythm of that, the character would embody that command. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he, he, he subscribed to that. And then I just had a tremendous amount of joy watching, yeah. watching him do it each time. And it, you know, all, all you have to do is at the end of the take, you'd look over and i just go, the body knows what what to do. So trust That's it. That's great. What a gift. Thank you yeah. for, for giving us all that as an option. Um, I think it is probably the mark of a great coach to, or teacher, I'll expand, in some ways to make yourself obsolete. Um, and once you've given someone the awareness that that's a possibility and they experience life with that you don't have to be standing there to remind them all the time that's no. what that's what they they choose and they can do that with or without you yeah be 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 your own authority that's that's the message you know it's uh, you can get a massage you can go for alexander technique you can go to pilates all you want but um we're talking about something that is really closer to one's essence that really, uh, that really is well. It's reliable. It's you're you're the one who's creating it, and and once you create it, it, it that that holds an entirely different value to what you have done with your attention. 
And so, you know, that's a, that's a valuable thing. Indeed it is. Thank mm-hmm. you so much for that. And for all of the value that you brought today, I'm thrilled. Um, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, my friend. What did you think about that? I hope that you learned as much as I did. I feel like I got some solid gold out of that episode. Um, Major takeaways for me are the importance of explaining things in simple terms and offering non-threatening, non-criticizing feedback, reflections as he calls them, which I love. I think this is especially true when you're on set, but true always. Um, This is something I'm very excited to practice. I hope you catch me doing it here more often. (laughs) Explaining things simply and offering non-threatening, non-criticizing reflections. I love. Um, All right. I I hope you participated in the thumb point exercise. I am participating in it as we speak. And uh, I hope that you felt what it is like to breathe and stand freely, upright, without surrender to gravity. This is a magical feeling. It is a gift. I am happy to be gifting it to you with this episode. Um, I super hope you all rush over to thebodytuningcushion.com and grab yourself a body tuning cushion, aka penguin. Um, Really, truly, I do think it looks kind of like a penguin. And I'm considering asking my mom, hey mom, to build me, build, sew, um, design, and sew a little tuxedo, little penguin pillowcase that he can wear. I'm just, oh, adorable. I digress. Visit thebodytuningcushion.com. Don't forget to use the discount code WTMM. All one word, all one acronym. (laughs) No periods, no spaces. WTMM at checkout at thebodytuningcushion.com. That is it for me today, my friend. Go out there into the world Keep it aligned and keep it very, very funky. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. This podcast was produced by me with the help of many. Music by Max Winnie. Logo and brand design by Brie Reitz. And big thanks to Riley Higgins, our executive assistant and editor. Also, massive thanks to you, the mover who is no stranger to taking action. So go take action. I will not, cannot stop you from downloading episodes or leaving a review and a rating. I will not ban you from my online store for spending your hard-earned money on the cool merch and awesome programs that await you there. I will 100% not stop you from visiting wordsthatmoveme.com if you want to talk with me, work with me, and make moves with the rest of the Words That Move Me community. Oh, and also, I will not stop you from visiting thedanawilson.com if you're curious about all the things that I do that are not words that move me related. (laughs) All right, my friend, keep it funky. I'll talk to you soon.